Hey, this is Susan Green. Howdy, everybody. This is Colter Fleming. And welcome to the Backstage Travel Podcast. I just finished a run. Oh, uh, and a shower. And a shower. Yeah, six miles today. <gasps> wow. I said to Dan last night, I look forward to the day when I can start running again. I used to run 10 miles a day. And then I ran five miles a day. And then I had children. That's awesome. I'm excited. Well, how are you? I'm okay. I'm achy. I'm tired. Um, asthma is not, if anyone has asthma, it's not a fun disease. So yeah. I sound like I have COVID, which I don't. How's this no, week been? It's been very, very busy, which is good. I love having people travel. I love people getting to be excited about travel. And then there's all these things that come up. Like I sent to you, like now we have a tax when you go to Cancun or people are like, well, I'm getting a vaccine. That's the number one thing that comes up. Well, my vaccine, Trump, whatever's happened, and I'm like, not as today. It's not the country people go to. It is the CDC. I think that will change, but been very busy, very busy. Lots of destination weddings, lots of people wanting to go on vacation. Probably May. When do they want to go? Starting May? Mm -hmm. That's fairly soon, right? Yeah. That's like a quick... Time. Lots of lots of Hawaii because Hawaii is easy because you just test to go. You can't get quarantined. Mm-hmm. And then we have our people that are like, who gives a shit? I'm going anyway. And so they're like, we'll go anywhere. They all think it's going to be great deals. And there are some great deals. But we got this big issue of which of which we're talking about today is there's not enough airplanes out there. So airfare is not as great that it could be like the hotels on Supply a great day. is down. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been very, very busy. I'm very grateful for it. It's fun to talk to people who are excited about going on vacation. I would say my feedback from most people that come back is 99% of them are like, it is so clean, so helpful. Everyone is so grateful we're there. I haven't had really any bad feedback. So to have people go and be nervous about going and then come back and be like, oh, my God, best trip ever. Where, so, where do you have people going in the next two weeks? Mexico. And I have a couple people going to Hawaii. I had 12 trips going to Tahiti. And then Tahiti decided to close their doors, which right. they actually have no cases, but they're owned by France. <laughs> so France said, well, we're shutting our doors. And so that means they're shutting anything they own, which is the French Polynesia. So we had to move all those, including my own trip, which I just moved yesterday. So we're going at the end of uh, May. And I love my husband, but I am married to a person that's like, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I got to work. And I finally look at him and I go, I can take someone else. I won this trip. I, I'm happy. I got, I, got, I got a line of people that will come. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I didn't mean that. I mean, I want to go. Right. And I'm like, I go, we go in May or we go in November. Because the options are May through June. I can't go in June because I have two conferences. And then you have to skip till October, and we're already going to Croatia. I know. It sounds terrible. Oh, and then yeah, I know. It is my job. Everyone chose their own job. That's true. I chose, true. This. I chose yeah. this one. And I'll tell you, it wasn't a fun job in 2020. So I, I did a video this week of me standing outside with my hair not in a ponytail. It looked like it was. I had not showered. I added up. I had been on hold for 14 hours in four days trying to deal with changing of airlines and trips. And um, I was like, anyone want my job? Like, they think that there's this huge, awesome, woo and I'm like, you know. You, you really treat your job as a work extremely hard, play extremely hard sort of role. I mean, that, that's the way. Yeah. I, I see you, you know, you're traveling all the time. But yeah. I mean, when you're home, you're you're pretty much on 24-7. I know. I know. I try not to be. And I'll be honest, I travel a lot for work. And I try not to post a lot of that. But 
we take two, maybe three trips a year that are for fun. Mm -hmm. But most of our work trips are like touring hotels, meeting vendors, meeting. I don't show photos of like my feet or like, I remember (laughs) this is so bad. We were in Tahiti last year and we had seen five hotels in one day and I'm at the four seasons Bora Bora and I FaceTime Dan and I start crying and he goes, get a grip. Yeah. Because you're in Four Seasons Bora Bora, and I'm like, it's really hard. I'm really tired. And he's like, get your shit together. Get off the phone and go sit on your balcony. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I was. I was exhausted. I was totally exhausted. Oh, because you're tired. You're on, and you're you're like, hi, how are you? You can't be like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I don't care about your property. Well, I mean, you, you know? would be like that in Bora Bora anyway. I can't imagine. No. You'd be like underwater. After your fifth property, you're like, oh my God. wow, overwater bungalow. Who cares? Seriously, that's how you get when you see that much stuff in a day. So how are you? Now, you're going... On a honeymoon in a week. Yep, a week from tomorrow. I love it. Yeah, we're stoked. Unico, here we come. I, I actually do think we're going to leave the property a little bit. I want to go to Tulum. I want to go to Playa del Carmen. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to overschedule, though. I think it's going to be kind of Perfect. one of the trips where we wake up and we go, what do we want to do today? And then yep. do it. You know, we've sort we've sort of hit that point in the pandemic where we're both exhausted. This is going to be a nice recharge. But I did want to mention the ongoing saga of my mom, you know, turning into Karen at Ted's Montana. Group. Oh no, it got better. She has now heard from <laughs> some director no. at the corporate offices who is sending her some gift cards. And no so way. when we go in June, we just booked an Airbnb in June back no in way. Ray, Montana for like a little, you know, family trip, go visit mama. Um, we're going to eat there with these. So they basically cards. said they're sorry. Oh my gosh, this was not the experience we wanted. I guess Here they, you they go. called her. <gasps> yeah, all from a Yelp review. I've got to send you the text of this. You do, you do. Pages. And I watch, I watch her video of like where she's living, and I'm like, God love her. Oh, she's having a blast though, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm at, if I'm in my 60s. I'm like, you know, I think I want to go live in an apartment where I have to put a extension cord over a bookshelf. I've definitely gotten spoiled. I mean, if the Four Seasons Bora Bora is not doing it for me. Yeah, yeah. I think I struggle <laughs> with her accommodations. It's about the oh, size big time. of the closet. I mean, I what she what, wanted. That is true. She that asked true. for this. Yeah, so. That is true. So, so shut the door for uh, shut. Shut it up. <laughs> Don't know yeah. complaining. No crying in baseball. Any, anybody who uh, is a little behind on our episodes, Ma- Mama Joy has moved up to Gardner, Montana for the season to fulfill a childhood dream of working and living for a season in Yellowstone. And she's posting all these crazy videos. Her apartment's like the size of a shoebox. She lives next door to the, the store. They own this little like motel kind of thing next door to the Gardner Market. So anyway, if you're visiting Yellowstone and you're on the north end towards Bozeman and Livingston, go say hi to Mama Joy. The pictures are beautiful. I will give her that. She's she's a hoot, man. I'm pumped for our episode today. You know, yeah. uh, my uncle Joe was a pilot for American. Before that, Air Cal. And before that, Braniff. You know, my mom worked for Braniff. My grandfather worked for Braniff. So, I mean, there's, there's a considerable amount of airline blood. I worked for American Airlines for a few years. Love the idea of airlines. I was just in sales. I, you probably wouldn't want me anywhere near anything that's... Uh, <laughs> mechanical i'm i'm pumped to talk to our guests get to know you know the the life and times of being a pilot should we bring on our guest susan what do you think yeah yeah so chris is a friend of mine and he was a friend of my husband's which we just reminisced about high school um he was saying that his first friend was brett 
in English class. And Brett and Chris went to, I think, Kiva together, right? That's it, yep. That is. And so um, when Dan and I were dating, Dan had shared with me that uh, he wanted to go to school with Chris and be a mechanic while Chris was going to become a pilot. And then I want to hear more about this too, but um, this was the funny story was Dan said that he was going to propose to me by having Chris fly up and he was going to put luminaries out that said, will you marry me? And while Dan has wonderful qualities, that did not happen. That sounds expensive though. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, he, maybe, perhaps. I mean, even I don't like, know. it sounds super romantic. Sounds expensive. That, won't, that was never going to happen. Instead, I gave him a ring. Of course. <laughs> and I was like, I, I can solve this. I did. I go, you don't have a ring? Oh, I can solve this problem. We've been dating a long time. He's like, uh, I just never remember his face. He's like, wow. Um, I go, you don't have to ask me right now, but what am I going to do when I graduate from college? And he was like, um, uh, <laughs> he waited like a month. So anyhow, Chris, Chris Kennedy from Scottsdale, Arizona. He is a pilot for United for 737s, which I know he also flew other aircraft. I totally want to get my pilot's license, and I absolutely am fascinated. And so do you remember meeting Dan, side note, and do you remember him even asking you about, or is this a big fake story, he says? Yeah, so thank you very much for having me on your uh, podcast. I appreciate it. I was excited. With our million listeners. So, yeah, so... I, I vaguely remember the lantern story. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure I had exactly had my pilot's license at that time. And I'm not sure that I, maybe Dan might've get, gotten out a little ahead of himself there with the lanterns and all that stuff. What I remember about Dan in high school and what I've told him 50 times <laughs> is that blue Chevelle Chevelle that he had. Right. And mm-hmm. I would go riding in that Chevelle with him. And I thought I was the coolest cat <laughs> on campus when I would ride in that Chevelle with Dan um, you had the caravan with the wood panel, right? I had a Dodge caravan. <laughs> it wasn't even my Dodge caravan. It was my parents' Dodge caravan. Right. My mom would let me drive. So we'd put like 10 people in the back of that. So that's what I was driving. But so when I could get in Dan's uh, Chevelle. With no air conditioning, by the way, in Arizona while we were dating. But that was something. <laughs> so I don't necessarily remember the luminary story, but I do remember that Chevelle. Did you ever do a heat box with him where you would roll the windows up and turn the heat on in the summer and see who would die first? I'm guessing that we <laughs> I'm like, what dumbass does that? I may have lost quickly because I'm not good at those games. It's like, I'll just give up and quit and, and move on to the next game. Like, move on. That's me. I'm like, why would you do this? He picked me up and I'd be all dressed up. My hair blow dried, believe it or not. And then we get his car yeah, with no air conditioning. And I'm like, oh. that was a cool car. And it had those front swivel seats. Oh, it did. You could like, yeah, you could totally turn around. Guys would honk at me when I drove it. That is 30 plus years later. And I still talk about Dan Chevelle. <laughs> That's the first thing they say when we go to the reunions. They're like, oh, Danny with the car. I'm like, exactly. wow, you are known. Exactly. So, um, okay. So, yes, I do remember. I remember going to your guys' wedding. So, we wanted to know this. Was Dan says that when he met you, you always wanted to be a pilot. I did. And, you know, 
It even goes back before I met Dan. I think it goes back even when I was young and my dad was always building model airplanes and we would go out and fly model airplanes. We'd go to the airport and I, my dad thinks I may have gotten the, the love of airplanes from him, but it went way back. There was even a time when I think even Dan may have been there, but we'd go over to a friend's house and, and they'd be drinking or whatever, swimming in the backyard. And I'd be sitting on the computer um, at that time, flying a plane flight simulator. On the, oh, no way. My dad did that. I went along for hours and I would just sit there flying that airplane while everybody else was out swimming or I don't know if something was, something was wrong with me socially. Or, <laughs> but no. That's what I would do. And even, yeah, in high school, I remember just enjoying airplanes. I just, I didn't know how, I, it wasn't even in my wheelhouse of how I'd become a pilot. I, it didn't even cross my mind. Did you go to, did you go to college? I did. So I got, a, I was getting ready to graduate out of high school and uh, I got called into my guidance counselor's office and he wanted to talk to me about what I was going to do and I was I was playing baseball at the time but that wasn't going to go anywhere so he said what are you going to do and I said I don't have any idea and he said well what do you like and I said well I like airplanes and I like aviation and that kind of stuff and my guidance counselor just lit up he happened to be a pilot he owned his own airplane out at the Scottsdale airport and he started throwing brochures out of, of places you could go to college and learn how to fly and I had no idea that was even a thing so Wow. I talked to him for about 30 minutes and uh, had an idea of, hey, th maybe I can go to college and, and do this thing that, that I didn't even know was a thing. What a good guidance counselor. You think Absolutely. Of that? Yeah, you I got mean, lucky. Yeah. So did they, is that why you decided to go to Douglas first? Well, we first went up to, we looked at a couple other schools. I went up to Embry-Riddle uh, up in Prescott with my parents and it was really expensive. It was a four-year college and oh. really expensive. And uh, I think my parents said, well, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if we can pull this one off. They're here. like, you're really great, but you're our first son. Exactly. It was a lot of money. So we went down and looked at Cochise College down in Douglas, and it was less than half the price of Embry-Riddle. So when we saw that, it was like, bam, we hit the jackpot. So, wow. so Cochise uh, down in Douglas was a two-year school as opposed to Embry-Riddle was a four-year school, and it was a lot more affordable. So that was doable. And is so, it is it all flight there? It was a lot of flight, but I also got an associate's degree. They had, it was just like going to a community college. So I was gotcha. taking Spanish 101 and English 101 and and algebra and all that stuff along with flight school uh, was part of their curriculum. So it was flight a, school it was like a requires a lot of hours, right? Like that? like 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 that requires like a lot of hours and time. Like how did you how were you able to accomplish that? Yeah, you know what they did down there? They have an aviation program, and the, the aviation program is just incorporated right into the – it's just like a daily class. So I might go to English, and I might go to math, um, and I might go to social studies, and then later on in the day, I would go to uh, ground school and flight class. It was just like another – Wow. So they just incorporated it right into the, into the curriculum. It was, just, it was just one of your classes. Did you graduate with a license? I did. In fact, I, uh, I graduated with a uh, pilot's license down there. In fact, I got a um, certified flight instructor license. So oh. after I got done at Cochise College, I stayed on for another year. They hired me as a flight instructor. We have a friend doing that at Purdue. Teacher. Yeah, he's, that's, he wants to be a pilot also. Now, then you came to ASU because you went to history just like Dan and I. I did, and that's where I met you, right? Yes, I know. The, big, in, uh, the exciting uh, history classes at ASU. And what's amazing is I thought I had met you long before that. Well, I'm very I, memorable. You're very memorable. <laughs> but I do remember sitting in some of those history classes next to you and Dan now. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, I went, I, I got a history degree. Is that what you got your degree in? Yes. Can't you tell? Exactly. Like, we, we all use it for so much. There we are. My, my dad looked at me and said, Susan, because I transferred from Iowa. He's like, just graduate. Right. Get a degree. And so what I figured out was I was so in love with Dan. I'll go pick what he is. And then I could pay for all the books because there's like 85 books a semester in history. And so I paid for the books and he was paying for school. And so it totally worked out. Um, I mean, I got him hooked. Once you had bought his college books, he was. I was like, baby, I give you a ring. I give you books. Like, just reeled it right in, right? I got you. And I got him to fly east of the Mississippi. You got to understand, this guy had gone nowhere except driving. And I was like, he was like, what? And I'm like, oh, I've been to Europe. And he's like, I... He, they hadn't grown up that way. And so, yeah, so I also, I'm like, look at all that I've given you. So stop your bitching about Tahiti. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So now, when you were at ASU, were you already a pilot with America West? Uh, when I was at ASU, I was a flight instructor. I was going to class like in the mornings or the afternoons. I can't remember. And then I had a, I was flight instructor, and I was teaching people how to fly out at the Chandler Airport. Okay. Uh, during the off time and on the weekends like that. So I was doing both of those, um, getting a degree in history and teaching people how to fly out at the Chandler Airport. Did you, Now, okay, I get you confused sometimes. Did you get a job with America West, or was that – I, That's Kevin. I, I did not get a job. Okay. So you went straight to United. Uh, I, in fact, I interviewed. I got a job interview at America West, and I didn't get a job. So <laughs> that was. No, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was like a devastating uh, couple weeks. I didn't get that job, so um, I went back. You're like, I guess I'll be a history teacher. Exactly. Like, what can <laughs> I do now? Yeah. What am I going to do now? Um, so then I actually, then, uh, it was about a year later. I think I went and got a, I got the job at United. I interviewed there and, and got the job. Now, when you graduate and you're a flight instructor, you have to be certified for certain aircraft, right? Yes. So how far, like when you're applying for United, what were you certified or what is it called graded in? Well, actually when I was applying at United and America West, I had gotten a job at Mesa airlines, which is a small, That's right. you probably heard. Probably That's what I'm thinking. Right. Yes. So yeah. after I got a job, after I was flight instructing, I got a job at Mesa Airlines and I worked there for about four years. Um, kind of the regional airline flying out of Phoenix, flying out of Farmington, Denver, and kind of around here. And I did that for four years before I started interviewing. The, usually the major airlines want some sort of experience. Uh, well, I hope so. Before you come in. Yeah, so <laughs> I hope they have experience. I mean, I think I can fly. Well, so when you left Mesa Airline, what were you rated with? Because those are smaller aircraft. Yeah, the plane I was flying there was a Beechcraft 1900, which is a um, kind of a turboprop propeller-driven um, airplane and you have to have a they call it a type rating to that you have to have a type rating that so I flew that for about four years at Mesa Airlines um, and so I was I was rated and qualified in that Beechcraft 1900 that, and that was so when you apply for United are you applying for that same type of aircraft no you're not you're they don't even have that same type of airplane you're you're applying and you're and you're getting considered based on your experience um, so when you go get hired at United or any, any major airline like that, they are going to send you through their training program. So when oh. I got hired at United, um, I went through, a, I can't remember, probably a four month training program, Oh, all their procedures, all the way they do things, uh, on the particular airplane I was going to fly at United. Either way you do it, whatever you come in with, you have to be trained by United. It, it's gotcha. A, I can't remember. 
Uh, I, the training was in Denver. All the training was in Denver. Uh, but I was based, I think when I first got hired, I was based in Los Angeles. So I actually went up to, to, uh, Denver for about four months of training, got all done with that. And then I was based in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that's amazing. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Interesting time. So you go to training, you know, I'm going to ask this because I was joking with Coulter. I'm like, I remember coming to your house one time. I don't know what you're going to ask. Oh, good. So I remember coming to your house one time. It had to be like, I don't know, six, seven years ago, because obviously we never see each other. And I was like, airplane crashes. They're my jam. I made my kids watch them. I I do remember you talking about All the disaster shows, Mackenzie will tell you this. I'd have them all watch them, and then they'd get on the airplane, and they would be terrified. Yeah, how could you not? (laughs) But I was like, my fantasy was to work for the NTSB. I was like, they found a dollar, and they know that it burnt inside the plate not after and i was like let's watch this show in hawaii right i know and i was like chris what do you think about that and you're like yeah i don't i don't watch those yeah yeah so i was like so like in your training what do they do about disasters and shit like that you know what they do um and i I think i do watch some of those shows you know what they do they use a lot of those crashes and accidents and experiences you certainly talk about them. You, you take the experience or whatever they did wrong or whatever they did right. Um, and they put that toward your training to hopefully if that situation comes up to you, that you can use that experience yeah, of the other people to, yeah. uh, to either not do what they did or yeah. <laughs> do what they did. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's, it is. some of them you're like, wow, the, um, like Sioux city, you know, Iowa. I mean, look at that pilot from United. Yeah. So, and we talk about him um, over and over and over. About every year when I go back to training, we talk about, you know, what he was they, sitting right? in first class. He was actually not the pilot. What's that? The guy that was sitting in first class that came out. Yeah, he was a um, yeah, he was sitting in first class and came up. He was actually a Czech airman, a Czech pilot on that and came up and helped him out. So that's some of the stuff that we talk about was yeah. how you can use some of those accidents or experiences, use what they did good or what they didn't do so well. And either don't do that again or <laughs> yeah, don't do that. So this is what got me was I grew up in Chicago, as we all know. And in 1979, there was a horrific airplane crash with American Airlines. Yeah, the cover of the air of the newspaper. I'm nine years old. Yeah, is the airplane like this? Yeah, okay. I've seen the picture. Oh, and then they show all the people on the news every night, and I mean it's everywhere. Right. And I was like, I'm not getting on an airplane ever again. And my parents were like. My dad, and then Tenerife, my dad showed me that. And my dad tried to help me by talking through them and talking about pilot air, pilot air, pilot air. And then my dad got his pilot's license, and I got the joy of doing touch and goes, which, oh, are, yeah. called, which are called barf and goes, by the way, when you're the passenger. Because <laughs> you're like, wee, go around, land again, go around. When you're when going you stop, somewhere. Dad? Yeah. I'm like, where's the flight attendant? I don't see anyone. I don't have, and we didn't have iPods back then. This is stop, yeah. Dad. Yeah. So he's like, this is so great. But, you know, he would be like, you'd watch people come out onto the tarmac and you watch them not check their gas and all that stuff. So we talked a lot about it and it got me fascinated, the science of it. But when you started, this was before 9-11, has it changed? Like, were you, is there anything that surprised you? on flying that aircraft when you first started when you worked for United versus now? Because I'm just intrigued to go, there's so much about you being a pilot as us as passengers. We're always like, hey, what are they doing? But you go through that training. Was there any part of that where you're like, I had no idea. 
I didn't know that this is how we did this stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. There was that, uh, there was, uh, there's always some of those moments like, man, I had no idea how this worked or how that worked. And I think part of the, the airline transition is, you know, you, is the experience. And that's why they want some experience of good things that have happened and bad things that have happened um, because they want that experience of, Hey, I've seen this before, or, or I know what to do in this situation or don't get into this situation. Um, so certainly there were those things like that, that, you know, Oh, I didn't know that, but a lot of the, a lot of the training, a lot of the training is based on just what you were talking about is going back and looking at other accidents and, and things to not do. Yeah. Go ahead. Chris, how long have yeah. you been doing this? I've been at United. Uh, I just went into my 25th year. Um, wow. and I, was, get a I think you do get a pen. <laughs> I think you actually get a pen and it, oh, it, it nice. like a ballpoint pen. I think that's what I got maybe. And I got a couple of years ago, I got a screwdriver. I remember. So that was a, uh, wow, that's profound. So you could like hurt someone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've been at United for 25 years and then I was at Mesa airlines for four years before that. Okay. Um, and then I was flight instructing, uh, for three or four years before that. So I guess I'm coming up on 30 plus years. That's incredible. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. I saw you were a culture. I was, I was looking at your guys' background, and I saw you had, and you mentioned it. You had a lot of aviation in your family, and and American Airlines, and and all that stuff. So you've kind of got the the bug, right? All that it's in the in the genes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, if if airlines ever start hiring again, you know, on their on their sales and marketing teams, I I may go back someday. It's such a fun and fascinating industry to work in. Um, I mean, within travel. Definitely, I was not even close to the operation. My, my job was mostly to, um, you know, get corporate clients to put their business travel on American Airlines. That was pretty much what I did. Yeah. Um, so I studied routes and I would analyze data and figure out, you know, how to save companies money by bringing, you know, business to the airline. So yeah, but of course, you know, my my mother was a, was a flight attendant in her twenties and. You know, like I said, my uncle was a pilot for Braniff. He was in the military and then, you know, eventually went on to Braniff and then AirCal and then AirCal became um, American. So then he spent his last 20 years as um, captain um, flying out of San Francisco. Um, I think he did seven, six, sevens, you know, stuff like Miami and New York, you know, later on in, in his career, um, you know, mostly kind of domestic stuff. But I think there was a point where he was flying all over the world. And I was actually wondering, like, where do you find yourself? I know earlier you said when you were with Mesa, you saw, you found yourself sort of flying to places in New Mexico and sort of local, like, uh-huh. like where, where's your career now? And where do you spend most of your time? So I've, since I've been at United, I've flown several different kind of airplanes It kind of depending on the airplane that you're flying um, kind of dictates the, the uh, destinations you're going to go to. Um, I'm on the 737 right now, which is about a four. It's pretty good at four or five hour, maybe six hour flights. So I'm based in Los Angeles. So it goes um, usually anywhere within four or five hours from Los Angeles, which would be Hawaii, uh, Central America, the East Coast, Chicago. It's my least favorite plane. It's the most yeah, uncomfortable plane. It's, it's too uh, tight. It may not. I don't know that it's the customer's favorite plane, but it's <laughs> good. Seems like it's the airline's favorite plane playing these days like yeah. that's what everybody's buying they just go and go and go yeah and they they're inexpensive and they don't break and they just they can go a lot of places um so i've also for, fly, been, for flying but you were saying is it comfortable to fly 
Uh, it's fairly comfortable flight. Probably efficient. What's that? It's probably efficient. It's very efficient. Now they've got the new ones coming out that are even more efficient. Didn't you fly a 767? Yeah, I flew a 767, and I flew a, a uh, 777. No uh, way. I didn't know that. That's the big boy. That's Dan's favorite plane. What is it? The 777 is Dan's favorite plane. Where did yeah. you take that to? It's really nice. It's like a it's like a Cadillac flying that. So we would fly that to um, Asia and Japan, yeah. and Taiwan and Europe. We did it on Europe, and Dan got a bloody nose. You would have thought the world had come to an end. They put so much fucking drapes on him. We we had this we had this flight attendant, and he was like, "Oh my god, don't move!" And like literally, all of us had to get up, and they had to drape him. It was you know like late nineties, and we're like, "Because that just a bloody nose." They didn't want that blood going everywhere, right? They yeah, did sure. it. They were like, "Oh!" It was like the COVID of the day. And it was. It was like a COVID, and Dan was like, oh, "God, I just had a bloody nose." nose. But yeah, like, now don't sneeze. I know. So um, I just don't like flying that far with two engines. So I miss yeah. the seven. I miss the seven forty sevens. I actually get nostalgic. I saw a ton of them up in the airplane, up in the sky while we were in Hawaii, and I was like, oh, right. I miss those. And I love the DC ten, which of course has not been around forever. That was my favorite aircraft for a long, long time. You just don't like the two engine thing. I don't like the two engine thing going over long haul water. Mm, yeah. No. I'm sorry. I'm like, huh? I've, I've, I've seriously know every single airplane crash. So I'm like, right, you need to if stop you need another it. one, if you need another one, I don't want to be flying from London to New York and be like, oh shit, it's gone. <laughs> I want three. I want three. At least you have two left. Yeah, or wow. two. Yeah, not just like, <laughs> like those people that were on that air, the United flight like a couple weeks ago, when they're all of a sudden like. <laughs> And the engine like blew up on them. I'm like, oh, that would have been fun. Oh yeah, but see, they went back and landed. Just went right back to the airport. I think it was it was it a triple seven. Yeah, and they were going to Hawaii. They were. That sucks. Yeah, they had so, to get another plane too. So they just turned around and went back and landed at Denver. Yeah. Yeah. The seven seven seven, and uh, it it goes a long ways. It it could. It, I was tired when I got home, but after three or four days of, of being out there, I, it was um, it was a long ways and a lot of time zones. So I'm pretty happy on the 737 because it only goes four or five hours away, and I, I can kind of keep on a similar sleep. It's state. like a job. It's like a job. Yeah, you can go and be done with your job. I don't think people realize when you – so since you're not based in Phoenix by choice, you don't live where you're based, how do you get to where your location is? Like you're based out – are you out of Denver or L.A. right now? I'm out of L.A. and Yeah, and actually it's – so United doesn't even have a pilot base in Phoenix. So it's not even a – it's not even an option. So And they just closed Terminal 2. Right, and they just closed Terminal 2, so – which may not – may or may not have been a bad thing, right? It was getting a little – Although hard. Terminal 3 is very, very pretty – Right. But it was getting a little rough. It was getting a little rough, but it was so nice that you could park upstairs for really cheap and go walk right go in. Right I was there. like, oh, that's so nice. So if you're going to go to LA for your shift, how do you get up? How do you get there? So most of the airlines, not mo all of the airlines, they have a, a, a reciprocal agreement. And so I can go down to the airport and uh, get on, I'll look at a flight and I can say, get on Southwest or American or Delta. I'll look at a flight and as long as there's a seat open in the back, um, even if there's not a seat open in the back, there's a small jump seat up in the cockpit that they'll let other pilots ride on. So I'll go down to the airport, get on a flight, and just fly over to L.A. And so you can be in the jump seat of a Southwest Airlines 
with guys you don't know. And you just, now, of course, you're not going to be chatty. You're not going to be like, hey, guys, what's going on? Do you like your craft? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you can, but then the, the Southwest pilots will come, you know, almost every day and, and ride on our jump seat to, the, to work or if they're going somewhere. So they have a reciprocal agreement um, amongst all the airlines that we can ride on each other to go to work back and forth. So that's how you can almost live wherever you want. Wow. That's pretty and fascinating. That's all, a lot of time, if, if my flight out of LA leaves mid afternoon or so, I can go over that morning and get over there. Um, a lot of times now, just cause I'm, I think I'm getting old and getting tired. I'll go over the day before, um, and get oh. a hotel room and just stay over there the night before. Yeah. Yeah. I when I get that. done over in LA, I can do the same thing. I hop on a, a plane, either Southwest or United or Delta or American and, and hop. How do you, yeah. how do you put yourself? I mean, I, I, I sort of know the answer to this, but I'm asking for listeners. How do you, yeah. how do you put yourself on a plane like that? Like, can you, can you talk about, you know, going to work, commuting, walk, and then also leisure? Like how, how does, how does the airline industry go about doing that? Yeah. So obviously, like you said, you know, being in the airline industry that a huge perk of being in the airline industry is being able to go and get on a plane um, with your significant other, your family, and travel anywhere around the world. So we have uh, computer systems and, and reservation systems and our United system that I can go on. Um, I can look at different flights and it will show me how many seats there are on the airplane and then how many how many reservations there are. So by that, you can do a little bit of simple math and see if there's going to be open seats on that plane. And if you can find a plane that has a bunch of open seats on it, you're pretty sure that you can get on that plane. So we'll go on our computer system. Uh, They call it listing on the flight. We'll put ourselves down as non-ref passengers. Um, It kind of creates a a ticket, if you would. And you can take that ticket then down to the airport and get through security and go to the gate. And when they have a seat for you, they'll, they'll call your name that you probably heard them call standby travelers or all the time standby travelers and it's either somebody going to work or a family going on vacation or or something like that so um, united has a very well designed computer system that you can just go on and look and see if there's seats Um, if there's seats you can list yourself on the flight put yourself down or your wife down or your kids down even my parents down and uh, they can go get on the flight now have you ever missed a flight oh absolutely oh yeah absolutely for your job for your job uh, I've missed it for my job and I've missed it for, yeah. And I've missed, we've missed flights. Were they like calling Chris Kennedy? Yeah. Seriously through the airport. Oh my God. <laughs> times that I've, uh, and United and most of the airlines, they have so many people and employees that commute to work like this. Yeah. Most of them have um, some sort of deal in place that, that they can account for that. They, they give us certain leeways because they have so oh. many. They would yeah, be like, "Oh man, your 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 flight's totally screwed because your pilot didn't come." Exactly. So if the weather's bad, or if a plane breaks, or all of a sudden a bunch of people show up and you can't get on the flight, yeah, I've I've run into that getting to work. I've also run into it. We've spent days in airports trying to come back, waiting for seats to be open. Like, no, that is not my idea. Fun vacations, or that's why I won't fly Southwest. Yeah. Everyone here loves Southwest, and I'm like, ew, I don't want to fight for my seat. I always sit in 15F unless I get upgraded. I've been a platinum person with the American for years. So I'm like, what, do you get in, what do you get in 15F? Uh, it's a window in priority. 
<laughs> Unless I get my upgrade, which is funny, sad. A couple of years ago, a lady got flown out of the window on Southwest and she was right. in 15F. And I was like, oh, that's my seat. <laughs> you watch a lot of those shows, don't you? I do. I do. I do watch a lot of them. It's, I was a physics major for two years before I came to ASU. I wanted to, I loved science of it. But I also am like, when I first started flying, when I was about six, and we're based out of Chicago where I grew up, we always flew United. So my dad was a 1K member and all that stuff. So we always had the perks and whatever. And the joy and excitement of flying. And I would say that that now is a lot different. Um, it was. It's not the same. Not even just COVID. We're just talking flying. And when you fly a lot, you know, people are like, oh, you have a club access or this. And I'm like, it's not the same as a joy when you're not flying. When you fly a lot. It's almost like a necessity because you're like, I'm in and out of airports twice a month for work. I'm exhausted. I, I've got to get work done. This is not like, oh, let's go get a free beer, you right. know, but it is. It's definitely different. So Coulter and I had this question I was going to say. So now I know you sit in seat one now, right? You mean when I'm at work, when I'm working? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the left, yeah. The left front seat is the The cabin. left front seat is boss. Correct. And what's right front seat? Uh, it's a first officer. Co-pilot. He's 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 kissing your ass, right? He's hoping he gets your job. That's his goal, right? Well, I, it certainly a, is a goal to get to that captain. I don't think he's uh, by any means kissing my ass. <laughs> Usually, it um, the the goal is to work as a team. So the captain oh, okay. uh, is in charge and certainly can make a decision. But the goal is to kind of use all your resources. And this comes off a lot of those shows that you watch. <laughs> yes. Um, I noticed that the guy on the right does a lot of the takeoff and landing. Yeah, the goal is to <laughs> to to have a lot of help. So, and more of you know, one guy kissing your ass. It's more of a team uh, effort. If a decision has to be made, and a decision is going to be made, then the captain is going to make the decision whether it's it's well, good like or what happens. But there's yeah. a lot of resources out there that you can use, um, and the co-pilot, the first officer, is just as qualified in the airplane as the captain is. They take off and land and fly, and is just as qualified. Usually, the cap the only the only difference is the captain's been at the airline longer. Gotcha. Uh, and but you have to make the ultimate decision. Like I, I compare it to like Sully when right. he was like, "We're going in the water." Yeah. Someone had to make that decision quickly. Yeah, you make a decision, um, and and you live with that decision, and. But hopefully before you made that decision, there's a lot of input you can get from the other pilot who's very qualified, has years and years and years. Of really nice. Like it's a brand <laughs> new, never flown person before. So hopefully, you know, before you make that decision, you take it a, new, a lot of that account or you come to an agreement on a decision that here's what we're going to do. So it's not like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in an in airplane, the movie? I so. <laughs> Although I haven't, I haven't watched that for a while. but I Oh, we just watched it like six months ago. I know literally all the lines. So you're in the quotes of that, uh, of that movie. What is it? Oh, it's a building with curtains. <laughs> Stop calling me Shirley. Um, okay, so who then is telling us how we're going to fly and what we're going to see. And my assumption is you are not chatty pilot boy. Uh, I'm not, I'm not real chatty pilot boy. In fact, my wife um, <laughs> mentions that to me that I should try to be more chatty boy. Oh, you got a job to do. Linda. What's that? <laughs> oh. you got a job to do. Yeah. And I, I always feel like, I, I feel like there's a fine line in there between um, being overly chatty. I've been on some <laughs> flights where, man, this person will not shut up. <laughs> I have two. Listen to the whatever the movie or like, yeah, just give it a minute, man. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, my wife says I should talk more. Um, I, I feel like I kind of try to give the basics, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be that overly chatty person. So to answer your question, it could be either one. Usually the person that talks on the PA in the back is the pilot that's not flying. So there's usually a pilot that's flying and a gotcha. pilot that's not flying. So the pilot that's not flying is usually doing most of the radio work, which would include oh. talking to the, to the passengers uh, in the back. Hmm. But gotcha. no, I am not. I am not. <laughs> I'm like, I can't see you being like, no, and we're going, guys, look out on your left. Grand yeah. Canyon. Every now yeah. and then something will get my attention, but usually I'll. Uh, Don't just, look to your left. Big airplane almost hit <laughs> us. <laughs> You don't say stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. But my wife says, you need to talk more. You need to say more stuff. But I think there's, I a balance. there's a balance in there. Yes. We all need it. That's why I married Dan. Balance. Right. You have to have a balance. Have to have a balance. You and Dan are a balance, aren't you? We definitely are a balance. Yes. a balancing act. And Coulter, you're getting married, I hear, huh? Yes. Yeah. Actually, I just got married in December. Oh, you did. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, so looking forward to the the honeymoon uh, a week from now. Um, but yeah, Tori is, uh, I, I think I outkicked my coverage uh, yeah. with Tori. So got yeah. Got your skis. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I mean, she's, she's a few, few notches above uh, my, my weight class. Yeah. That's good. That's, a, that's actually, um, you shouldn't say that. Above your weight class? Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. <laughs> the girls don't want to hear that. She's a oh, little bit man, above so my weight class. I knew what you meant, Coulter. I know what you mean. We're talking wrestling. Yeah. I got it. But women are like, we're very sensitive about our weight. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. So when we were in Hawaii, the hotel we were at, um, in Oahu is the Prince Waikiki, uh-huh. and they have all the contracts for the air for the oh, airlines. Yeah. Oh, no so kidding. they just kept coming and going, and I was like, "Hey, oh!" I go, "Can I tell you all about what I love about my dance?" Like, they don't want to know all about airplane crashes before they get on their airplane. <laughs> can I tell you about what could happen on your flight? <laughs> Do you remember when the side came off on that Hawaiian Airlines when it flew? Do you remember that they got sucked out? Exactly. <laughs> it's like shush. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, why well, go? I just so fascinating. Okay, so what is the? Have you ever been in an emergency? Uh, yeah. There's every now and then something kind of comes up. There was a quote somewhere that somebody said, "Being a pilot is the career is 99% boredom, yeah, and 1% sheer terror." My dad says that a lot. So there's that 1% that every every now and then something comes up. We hit, we were taking off out of Denver one day and hit a a pretty big bird. I don't know what, it was a big bird. And you um, don't see it, right? You don't see it before you hit it. No, we could see this one. Yeah, we <laughs> actually could see it. But um, you can't be like, no, you can't like make a quick turn. <laughs> I kind of ducked, but it went into the engine um, and the engine blew up and quit running. And so we had to go back and land in Denver. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. And you're like, eh, we're good. Did you tell them go? Hello. We're okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, you'd say something, but they certainly know, at that point that everything's not okay. Yeah, they're like, yeah. Uh, was it on fire? You might be telling us it's okay, but it's not okay <laughs> because we're going back to the airport. <laughs> exactly. Dad, I've been on a plane Dad, like that before. Daddy's mad. <laughs> yeah. You have? You've gone back to the airport before, Coulter? You've gone uh, back to the airport, Coulter? Yeah. When we were flying, um, I, I think I told this story on an earlier episode, when we were flying from JFK to Barcelona, 
we had to turn around and go back to Gander, Newfoundland. Yeah, um, that's right. Which was pretty right. emergency at that point because that's not like a normal running airport. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're kind of making the turn going around, up and around, and the plane turned around. And I think the pilot was – he was probably pretty nervous when I saw him come off the, the plane. Didn't you I say think. he was covered in sweat? He, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> – I, I I don't know exactly what happened, but I think it was, you know, pro- probably not good. But we, we were all fine. There's so many contingencies built in. We were coming back from Hawaii one night and had a um, – and it wasn't necessarily an emergency, but we had a, one of the generators quit working on, on uh, one of the engines. So we had to turn back around and go back to Hawaii. So it wasn't necessarily an emergency, but – one of the reasons, you, you know, you might turn around and you're not going to set out off across the Pacific Ocean. Um, what does a generator do in an engine? The generator runs. There's there's quite a few generators, but runs uh, most of the electricity. Oh, the that would be good. That would be good. Yeah. So one of them quit working. So we had to turn around and go back to Hawaii. And that's not a necessarily an emergency situation, but had to turn around and go back to uh, back to Hawaii. So every now and then something comes up that kind of Get your more often than not, even more than an emergency with the plane is an emergency with usually it's a medical condition yeah. or people getting in a fight or <laughs> somebody's God. drunk or that's that. Comes Have you had to get up and do that? Have you had to deal with more that? often than than airplane problems? So do you that. have to deal with that? No, we usually don't deal with it, especially after 9-11. Um, you're like, our door is locked. Yeah, Look, the door's locked, and we won't go back there and deal with it. But Yeah, you put your little cart out so you can go yeah, potty. Yeah, we'll deal with it. <laughs> flight attendants and either, yeah, either medical or somebody's causing a problem back there. That comes up a lot more often than than any kind of uh, mechanical. Has somebody died on your airplane? Uh, I don't think somebody's died, no. We've had, to, we've had to divert to a different airport due to somebody being sick or – I had somebody uh, have a seizure next to me. Yeah. Camp, right after 9-11 no less and then you're like is there a doctor and i'm like oh, okay now, now everyone's staring at me i'm like sorry <laughs> oh that you were yelling out is there a doctor yeah because there's a guy having a seizure right next to me he's like shaking in the ch- he is he's like what are you doing of course he's not saying that he's like susan be quiet and i'm like this guy's dying <laughs> and we had to stop like in kansas city from tampa and then i was then i'm pissed now i'm like oh my god we're not late home now you're late for your you're gonna get home late because the guy yeah, like oh we have people watching our kids this right. is we actually got stopped once in albuquerque because of the haboob oh yeah and, but they had no gates so we had to sit on the airplane and you know what that became it became a greyhound bus because everyone's going to the bathroom and there's nowhere to go right and i'm like uh can we just get going like get going and they're like no yeah. the airport's closed yeah those oh. haboobs can uh can, yeah, those are awful. That dust out. storm. <laughs> so you've never had to personally get involved. Like, guys, stop fighting. It's not high school. No, we usually don't. And they tell us, it, and we're we're kind of trained to not get involved because just then it go. You know, if people are bringing out their cell phones and taking pictures, and true. So it's usually best. It will just kind of be involved through the radio and hear what's going on. And mm-hmm. you've got so many passengers back there, and flight attendants, and big strong people if something happens or doctors or nurses or emts there's usually a lot more qualified or stronger people or whatever to deal with the issue than you actually going back there if you go back there like i said cell phones are coming out and now it's going to be on cnn and 
Yeah. It's just better to stay. Yeah. Plus somebody's got to be flying the airplane in the in the meantime. So so Chris, I I wondered, you know, in the in the modern era, what is a pilot actually doing? Like like where like like at what point what is your job now? I mean like like what does it entail? Yeah, so you know, that's a great question. I think, you know, you obviously still fly the airplane and that's and that's job number one. But for the most part, um, kind of after you take off, the, the airplane will fly itself. Um, it'll fly itself all the way across the country or all the way to Hawaii. It'll fly itself all the way down if you want it to and land in the middle of the runway and stop. So all you've got to do is take off? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, way way overpaid. Look, look, look. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that there's a lot of computer systems involved in the modern airplane, right? So, like, like what? Like, there's probably a lot of pre setting up a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, So like, even even before you get to the airplane, there's a lot of uh, (coughs) planning involved before you even get to the airplane. We look at the weather. Sure. um, We look at the fuel. There might be some things on the airplane that are written up or broken that that we're allowed to fly with. So you even look at before the, fuel. We get to the airplane, usually we're required to be at the to the airport an hour before the the flight even leaves. Um, so then we'll get to the airplane. We'll usually do a walk around to make sure everything's good on the airplane. We need to look at the maintenance records on the airplane. We'll talk. With what are you looking for when you're walking around the airplane? I mean, uh, it's so big. Kind of. I mean, they're little. You're like, oh. Yeah, is anything leaking? You're like, oh, okay. Or is a tire have cords showing through the tire? Is there oh. hydraulic fluid leaking? Is an engine have something? I don't, just kind of general stuff like that. So we usually talk with the flight attendants, kind of give them a heads up on what's gonna what's going on with the flight. If it's gonna be turbulent, if it's gonna be smooth, something in oh. the back might not be working. If their video system's not working, or and then yeah, once you go flying, we usually take off kind of on our own and then fly to wherever we're going. But in the flight, there's always things that come up or for the most part, there's weather you're looking at. You're always keeping an eye on the fuel. You might be dealing with those people in the back that, like you said, had a seizure or yeah, you might get a message. We're always talking to what we have a dispatcher in Chicago and they'll be sending us messages about weather or other airplanes, or we might have to change our route. So a dispatcher is different than like the FAA? Yeah, United, all the airlines have dispatchers at their headquarters, oh. and we actually work pretty closely with the dispatcher. The dispatcher will send us, before we even go, our flight plan, and she'll tell us how long it's going to take, what our route's going to be, how much fuel's going to be on the airplane, um, what the weather's going to be like that. And then we'll talk with the dispatcher and, and kind of ag- agree on a, a plan. Either we're happy with the plan that they sent us, or we want to okay. make some changes on the plan that they sent us, and gotcha. kind of go back and forth with that. So. Actually flying the airplane uh, from A to B is, I don't know what the percentage is, a third of the job or, mm-hmm. or not even a half of the yeah. job. Just flying from A to B is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Wow. It's like there's a lot of lot of prep work, a lot of yeah. research. Yeah. You have to do stuff after, like to comment about stuff and keep track? Uh, of- no, not usually. Once we're kind of done and we get to the gate and uh, we set the parking brake and, and nobody's gotten hurt and nobody's nothing's got – wrecked on the airplane we're we're usually fair to fairly free to go wow you know then we'll go once we get to wherever we're going if we're at a layover somewhere we'll go out and there's usually a van or a car waiting for us to yep. take it to the hotel and we'll go have dinner or have a beer or or go to bed whatever not before you fly whatever the time not before you fly no <laughs> now are you who records your hours 
Uh, I keep track of my hours, and uh, United keeps track of my hours on the on a okay. system. How many so, hours do you have? You know, that's a good question because I haven't kept very good track of my hours. <laughs> I think I have about twenty three thousand. That's phenomenal. Hours we read we read that if you don't if you aren't a pilot, you have nothing to fall back on. Absolutely, that is a fact. And so. When this uh, COVID thing starts hitting or 9-11 or any of those things where the airline industry is not doing real, kind of like the travel industry with you yeah. guys not doing real well, I don't have a, a fallback. In fact, I have trouble mowing the lawn. So <laughs> I, I don't know if, if Danny could teach me to paint or you oh, could. He doesn't even paint anymore. He pays, he pays people to do that. <laughs> That's what I would have to do. So, uh, I don't well, Chris, we need someone. From the time I left high school until now, all I've done is flown. And even today, we had a um, a uh, switch on the wall go out that wasn't working right. And I oh. worked. It was, that was like my project of the day was to try to fix this switch. It took it took a while. <laughs> no other skills. That's hilarious. <laughs> now we were we were talking about this. Is there is there a favorite airport that you love to fly into? You know, I I, th- I get that question quite a bit. I either get that question, is there a favorite or is there a not favorite? Well, that was our next question. So. Yeah, that's at the yeah. Class <laughs> I mean, I got to think Denver's kind of hard, right? Because of the mile high. John Wayne's <laughs> weird, right? Yeah, John Wayne is, uh, John Wayne is just has a fairly, a short runway. So mm. it's not necessarily weird. It has a, a real short runway. So you're okay. Well, and United's right. I mean, uh, SFO's right over water. Yeah. Although that's not, they, San Francisco has real long runways and real big and wide runways. And I always Chicago think whenever I'm flying into um, San Diego, I, always, I enjoy that because you're kind of flying, especially like at night. Yeah. You're flying right into town over Shamu. Yeah. So I really enjoy that. It's kind of a challenge. They've Somebody decided to build a parking lot right off the end of the runway there. Seriously? Yeah, there's a parking structure right off the end of the runway that you have to go over and make and make sure you're clear. Oh, but okay. it's pre, it's really spectacular flying in there, especially at night going into the city. And so I just kind of think of that as my favorite. As far as a not favorite, I can't think of one offhand. What are some of the ones you said? Well, I was thinking Denver just because of like air drifts and the air dip, you know, yeah, the density of the air is a lot of weather that you deal with. Um, if Dallas is also one that I don't enjoy because. Which one? Dallas, but that's not yeah. huge for United, but yeah, it is for American. Yeah, we don't go there a lot. Yeah, I can't think of one that I necessarily don't enjoy. I think uh, San Diego comes to mind when I think of ones that I do enjoy. Now, when you flew your 777, you guys went You went into Tokyo? Yes. We went to Narita. Narita, yeah. Is where we most Fukushima. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was good. Like I said, that, that airplane went a long ways. You know, I, I don't know. You probably know, but it's about 12 hours. Did you sleep? Uh, yeah, you would sleep. Wow. Usually on those longer flights, you take three or four pilots. So so two can be flying and two or one or two can be sleeping. And then we'll switch halfway. Wow. Uh, and then you get over there and, and try to go to bed at a normal time and nobody could fall asleep. So, you know, we'd either go down to the gym or something. So you'd go down to the gym at one or two in the morning and there'd be all these airline crews down there on the terminal. <laughs> nobody could sleep. God. So. I was going to say, how many hours can you work flying? Well, so there's a couple different uh, numbers. You can fly eight hours in a day, and that's the time from when we release the parking brake to when we reset the parking brake at the gate. Oh. So that's the actual flight time. You can usually fly about eight hours. You can be on duty in a day up to about 13 or 14 hours. So, so what might- happens like when I flew to like South Africa, which was 16? Yeah, so they would take probably four pilots and two wow. 
and two would go back and sleep and then they would switch halfway. Two would come up and fly and the other two would go back and sleep. That would suck. I could see yeah. why you wouldn't want that. Cause I'm like, they're, I mean, I guess they're getting paid more cause they're longer, but I'm like, then they have to go all the way. Now they probably do less routes than you do. Right. So they do. Yeah, a they might do one flight, you know, one flight and then they stay down in South Africa for a day or two and then one flight back and then they might be off for a week. I know, but it t- totally messes with your body. Yeah, it does. It's, has it changed after you've been a pilot for so long? I don't think so. And I don't think I'm as some, – some people are really good at it. They can go back there and sleep, and I, I wasn't very good at it. So I don't think it, – it hasn't changed for me. It's uh, it, it wears me out. Coulter, do you sleep on airplanes? So, sometimes. Sometimes. It depends on the, the time of the flight. But, I mean, if, if you're in the back seat in the middle, that's tough to sleep. <laughs> you know? Or, the, or yeah. right by the exit row that doesn't recline. When in my in my non revving days, normally you'd get sort of second to last row in the middle, and yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't get much sleep on those. But you were happy um, to have that seat, right? Oh, just stoked! You know, <laughs> wherever you're going. Nope. I mean, yeah, you're always happy to get that seat when you're non revving like that and going standby. Oh, it was like winning the lottery. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially when you know a couple a couple years ago. I'm not I'm not sure what it's like now, but a couple years ago when load factors were as high as they were, I mean, you try to get out on a Friday night or come back on a yeah. Sunday. I mean, boy, let me tell you, I've spent a lot of time in the Phoenix airport. Um, right. just sort of hanging out waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's all everybody says how great it is to travel for free until you spend a day or two in the airport waiting to waiting for a seat to open up. Right? Oh my God. No, I remember no. I spent a Sunday and half of a Monday uh at Sky Harbor just waiting to get back to DFW. All in order to fly for free, right? The yep. perks of the the perks of the industry. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, yeah. I'm not doing that. Dan is struggling right now with not playing first class. Oh yeah. So yeah. See, so th- he, he's getting a little bit of uppity, huh? A little. He's getting a little uppity. He's like, so when we go to Tahiti, this is a trip, a trip I want. And then we're flying on Air France and I don't even know what kind of aircraft is 787. I don't even know where we're flying. Uh-huh. And I said, it's free. I want it. So I was the top salesperson for Tahiti in 2020. Congratulations. Thank you. And we were supposed to go in April and they closed the stupid borders. Yeah, we went. You said. I know. You guys went. Right before they closed up. Dummies. So they closed (laughs) and I had to move all these trips. And I was like, and I have to move mine. So we're moving. And he's like, so Air France, which is dealing with people. By the way, all of my documents are in French. Oh, yeah. And uh, so it's all Air France. And so they're really nice. And they give us from LAX to Papiete. And we have to buy the inner island shit. I want to move the stuff. And I'm like, how do we get business or economy plus? And they're like, well, we put you on standby. And then I'm like, can I pay for it? And they're like, no. And so now we move our seats. And Dan goes, so we're flying overnight in coach. You should see his face. I was like, I don't don't know how you're going to handle it. But... You're going to live. Yeah. Yeah. You get to that point where you don't want to tolerate any of that uh, having to sit back there in the middle, right? Especially in the middle of the night. No. I will say this. The bigger airplanes, like the Air Tahiti, the Air Fiji, those, these brand new aircrafts are much larger than the seven. Like, that's my thing. Like, you Southwest flies to to Hawaii and I'm like, guys, it's six and a half hours. Right. In a 737 like this. But the ticket price is good, right? No, they're actually not cheaper. Oh, they're not? No, this is what they are, free bags. And I'm like, all the domestic carriers have a free credit card that gives you two free bags. So go get that credit card. Yeah. I I just, I I don't want to guess where my seat is. 
But you got to make a commitment to an airline, no matter what airline you go with. If you're with Southwest, go with Southwest. Get the Southwest credit card, always fly Southwest. Here's the other problem with Southwest. You do all your points with them. When are you going to Europe? Yeah. But it's kind of the same with hotels, right? You need to make a commitment to a hotel and that's where you're going to stay and use all your points and your credit cards and and all that stuff. Yeah, I get free hotels, so I don't do that. But yes, (laughs) that would be true. (laughs) As a guy who spent a lot of time in Texas, you know, you, you, you couldn't really commit to just one. You had, you kind of had to do Southwest and American. Yeah. Because you could fly the Texas triangle and, you know, sort you could go over to Vegas or Phoenix or something like that. But of course you needed American to get you, you know, to some of the major cities and, you know, back then Southwest didn't fly to Mexico. So going to Mexico, Caribbean, you know, Europe, mm-hmm. American and all that. So I've kind of done a little bit of both, although now it's, you know, it's been more American, especially since I worked there. But yeah, like you said, like you can kind of commit to one and a half. Yeah, that's yeah. And I don't think it's just the, the airlines now, right? It's just about everything, right? You commit to something, you commit to a hotel or you commit right. to a rental car company or you commit to a whatever it is and you're in because you're getting points, right? And you're going to use those points for your next vacation. They've got you. So I know you shared this with us. Here's the thing. You shared with us two hilariously funny stories, which I can picture both of you guys, on how you guys went to Italy. Uh, See, I would never do this. I love you, but I would never do this. You literally went over there, and I have to know what town. You have to tell us the story about what you and your wife did without reservations. Yeah, so so it's interesting. I can't see Melinda doing this, by the way. And that's not her first choice either, but... Every now and then, I think it's just kind of adventurous to to go and uh, wind up somewhere. We did it to New, in New Zealand also, and really not have exactly sewn down exactly what you're going to do. So Melinda, my wife, when she plans the vacations, and she she does a spectacular job, usually with you planning our vacations, she has it narrowed down to the minute of what we're yes. doing, the cars, the hotels, the planes, the excursions, that kind of stuff. So every now and then, I'll get in there and... Um, we're just going to take off. We went to Italy and we didn't have any hotel reservations, at least for the first kind of the first half of our trip. So we flew into Rome and uh, we got on this. They said the cheapest way to, I, you were going to, you said to ask to tell you the name of the city, but I can't remember. Is it Siena? It was down on the Amalfi coast. Oh, okay. Sorrento, Naples. Yeah, Sorrento. There you yeah. go. So we get to the airport and we asked somebody the quickest and cheapest way to get to Sorrento. And they said, Oh, just, you go get on this train. And so right to Naples, yep. we went and got on this train, which wasn't really a train. It was more of a subway type. Uh, oh, stopped. It wasn't, I was picturing like a bullet train to Sorrento. Oh. <laughs> but it stopped about every five minutes at a street. And it probably took us. I, I don't know. How long you were not on the express. We weren't on the express. No, there's no, an express. express. Yeah. And so we got on this train ride down there and about halfway on the train ride, a, a family of, I guess they call them gypsies, gets on the train with us. And no. I don't heard about that, but they start playing music in the back of the train and this nice. train stops in about every five minutes. And oh so before the gypsy family gets off, they want you to pay them money for their entertainment they've provided. So <laughs> that you didn't ask for. If you didn't pay the gypsy family, it, it doesn't end well. I don't know. So anyway, we went to... We were going to go to another city before that, but somebody on the train said, don't go to that city because they don't have any hotels. So we went to Sorrento, uh, got off the train uh, without a hotel room, and we just started walking up and down the road. I was going to say, and it's hilly. It's kind of hilly, and we had our suitcases behind us. And uh, we're just stopping into hotels 
um, seeing if they had any room. And a lot of them did not have any rooms. Um, we, I don't remember how long we were walking, but Jeez. we were walking for a while. And finally we walked into one and he said, yeah, I have a room for, for one night. You can stay here. And we said, all right, we'll take that room for the night. So we took that room for the night and went out and drank wine and went out to dinner. But we came back that night and started getting online to, to look for a hotel room for the next night. Um, oh and we ended up finding, I, I don't remember exactly how it went down. We found another really neat hotel room down the road. We walked down to it and stayed there for another two or three nights in, uh, in Sorrento. But so I kind of find that adventurous. I think Melinda, my wife, she was stressed. He kind of stresses, <laughs> but once we, once we kind of get there and get going, it, it usually works out. We did the same thing in New Zealand. We flew down to New Zealand wow. and didn't have any hotel rooms and, and kind of winged that. And it, so far it's worked out. It's not her first choice, but I kind of, I kind of enjoy the adventure. You can take Dan and teach him that. <laughs> that is not my, um, I'm not very good with that either. I'm yeah. a little too type A. Uh, as my children would know, I had spreadsheets on our vacations of what we were going to eat and where we were going. Right. And yeah. then I look at them and they're all artsy fartsy. And I go, do you like vacation? Yeah. Um, I have a really funny photo that I did once on my Facebook where it was like, post your kid's worst photo on vacation. Right. And Mackenzie, who's on here, of course, she's smiling. And it is Madeline and Connor who are throwing a huge fit because they had to sit in the middle on the airplane flying to go on a trip to Jamaica for right. beaches. And Connor's like, why am I in the middle? And I'm like, I paid for the flights. Now everyone's behind us while we're getting our seats. He goes, no, I'm not sitting in the middle. I go, get your ass in that middle seat. I go, dad's on the aisle and I'm on the window and Mackenzie and Madeline, Madeline's like, I'm not sitting next to someone. I'm like, the whole plane's hearing us. And I go, do you want to go to Jamaica? We're going on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, you say thank you. The trip of our lives. (laughs) You know, can't you wait? I always joke with people. I'm like, all the videos, they're like, we're so happy. I'm like, nobody's fighting. Yeah. Yes. So we get to Jamaica and I look at them and I go, look, here's the deal. I will be on this beach. This is my ass right here. All this, don't all buy this. weed and don't leave. <laughs> That's all I care about. Only <laughs> ask. That's my only ass. Don't do either of those and I'm good. Have a great vacation. Have fun, everybody. Yeah, exactly. So here's the deal. We have a trivia and you're probably going to kill it, kill it on this because you're smart. But I'm not smart. You're going to ask me trivia questions? Yes, but your teammate is Coulter. Oh, good. And here's the deal. I'm very competitive. I don't know if you know that about me. <laughs> I like to win. Type A, competitive. I like to, I like to be first. Like you I said, mean, you and Dan are a good balance, right? Yes. Um, so you can totally lose. I don't care. You can be terrible. It doesn't bother me at all because you and Coulter get to come up with the answer okay. for these questions. Okay. So I think they're easy, but you know, who knows? Okay. Do you know what the original name of United Airlines was? Coulter? I'm sure he knows. I, um, I'm going to, uh, boy, I, I, I do know it. And I'm going to be really mad when you say it. Um, well, I, I think, I don't know exactly how far back. And if you have the answer there, but a couple that came to my mind, one is capital airlines. Um, and even before that, I think was Varney air service. Well, okay. I just looked at a second one because they do go back to Varney, which is good. I was looking for Boeing. Oh. Do you even know about that? No, I don't. Okay, let me, okay, so I'll give it to you because you were right. 
The first flight simulators were invented by United. Did you know that? You know, I didn't know that. Although when we go up to Denver for training, they have one of the first flight simulators in the building up there on display. So was the flight simulator built in 1950, 1954, 1958, or 1962? Oh, jeez. Coulter, I got no idea. 54. You are correct. Nice. How'd you know that? Does that mean we win? Do we win yet? No, you have a couple more. <laughs> we got two for two. Yeah. There were many airlines trying to hit all of the 50 states. Did United hit all of the 50 states first? Yes or no? What, what, do you, what does that mean even? They traveled to all the 50 states of the United States. Like were they the first airline to fly to all 50 states? Yeah. Did I not make myself clear? <laughs> were they the first? Correct. Yes or no? <laughs> Get a 50-50 shot? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. Coulter, if you have a better guess than that, go ahead, man. Um, I'm going to say no. Eh, would... They were. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. I was they were. Also. They were. They were. They were the first airline to hit all of them. Their last state that they hit um, was Mississippi. Interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. And this is the fourth question. Do you know what the first in-flight magazine was called? Was it that, uh, I don't, I, this isn't my guess, but what was that magazine they used to have there where you could buy stuff on the- Sky Mall. Sky Mall, there you go, right. <laughs> I'm guessing that's probably not the answer, but that's a magazine I always remember seeing on there. Is that, uh, is that your answer or you guys have another one? Final answer? Sure. It's called in-flight. Oh, in-flight. Never heard of it. <laughs> Was that, was that a certain airline? Did United put that out? I'm sorry. It's not called InFlight. It was called Mainliner was the first oh. InFlight magazine. So that's a United, that's a United magazine, Mainliner. It is. Yeah, because that was the United name they called. They were Mainliners. We didn't do very well. You didn't well. win. Yeah. No, you guys got, you guys got uh, two, and I got two. So <laughs> That means you win? Uh, no, whatever. <laughs> um, right. Did you ever sit there and go... I got a huge chunk of metal sitting behind me and we're up in the fucking air. I mean, seriously, because yeah. I can't, I can't fly. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you got a huge chunk of metal and you're going about 600 miles an hour with totally. about 200 people. And you're about seven miles above a lot of responsibility. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that. It's gotta be a really, really cool feeling. I mean, don't screw this up. No, no, <laughs> but it's gotta be a really powerful thing to be like, Wow, you're doing what you really got guided to, which I think is so cool. And yeah, that's like what said, I think. We could, we could it, talk to you for hours. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, I had something that I enjoyed, and I happened to run into the right guidance counselor in high school that that led me down the path. That you know, here it is, thirty plus years later. Is it a is it a career that you know you would you would recommend you know people get into if they're not already found their passion? Uh, absolutely, I would. Um, it's it's definitely a career I would get into if you enjoy flying airplanes. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course. You know, there's, good there's a lot of you know layoffs and good times and bad times and 
frustrating days and, and days you don't want to go to work and just like any other job. But I think, like I said, I don't have another skill, so I don't know any different, but for people that enjoy flying airplanes and enjoy doing that, it, absolutely. I would, I would recommend it, but be prepared that it's not a, a nice, smooth takeoff and landing. I guess they would say there's, oh, a, that's a great, like that. there's a lot of ups and downs. That's a really good, that's a really good tagline. <laughs> I tell my kids this all the time. I go, every job is a job. Yeah. But do no, something that you like most of the time. Yeah. And I even think of, you know, I would have loved to have been a pro baseball player or a pro golfer or something. And I picture those those people are probably get sick of going to work too. Like, oh, I'm sure. I hit, play golf again. So I I'm don't sure. think there's anything. So I think if if you find something you enjoy, I absolutely would. Thank you for coming on. I'm going right. to call your wife. This is fascinating. Yeah. Um, you Good know, to meet you, Chris. I'm always, yeah. I always want to know if there's like something going on that I don't know about because my mom always texts me and goes, Susan, Smithsonian Channel, aircraft. And I write back, yeah. I know that one. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, there's a couple of them that are really big. Thanks for having me on your podcast here. I enjoyed we it. We loved it. We're really excited. We want to say thank you. Have a fantastic time on your honeymoon, Coulter. Thank oh, you. yeah. Congratulations. And then our next guest is going to be someone that works with Coulter. And it's Joseph Barney, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah he my good friend, a, colleague. He's a hoot. A hoot. Just a great, a, great guy. Great guy. Loves to travel. Has been in this industry. I want to hear about his other stuff. So I'm very excited for him to come on. And we appreciate you guys listening. Obviously, share with friends. If you have a story to share, please email us. We want to share those stories and um, tell a friend. Okay. Have a great Friday. Thank you, guys. guys. Later. I'm going to go breathe. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You guys. Thanks, Chris. I'll call your wife. Bye. Bye. Backstage Travel Podcast is hosted by Susan Green and Coulter Fleming. Editing, producing, and managing by Mackenzie Green. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Visit our Facebook page and send us your travel stories at info at backstagetravelpodcast.com. Susan and her team at Susan's Travel Services have a passion for what they do and want to get you to your dream destination. They're so dedicated to giving you the experience of a lifetime that they'll help you at no cost. To learn more, find them online at Susan's Travel services.com.